Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 45. And uh, in Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 45, we read this, A man with leprosy came to him, that's Jesus, and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for you, for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we can have this time in your word. And we thank you that later in this service we can remember your son and remember his sacrifice on Calvary where he uh, shed his blood for us, gave his life for us. Uh, we just we are still amazed at that, Father. It still is a glorious thought that our sin is forgiven, death is no longer an issue because Jesus took our place. We just thank you for him. In Jesus' name, amen. Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 45, for me is one of the most poignant pictures of Jesus in the New Testament and his compassion for the suffering of humankind. In this case, a man suffering from leprosy. This passage, by the way, is paralleled if you want to do your own reading and study, but not during my sermon time, please. <laughs> I've got about a half hour, so please, uh, if you want to do some study, look up uh, Luke chapter 5, verses 12 to 16, and Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 to 4, which are the parallel passages that give you a little more uh, background to, in addition to what Mark has to say. The setting in this passage of Scripture is helplessness and hopelessness that Jesus answers. The helplessness and hopelessness that Jesus answers. If you want to, uh, a couple of phrases or a phrase or just a couple of words to hang this passage on, chapter 1, verses 45, 40 to 45, the two words would be God cares. God cares. God cares for the discarded. God cares for the ignored. God cares for the helpless. God cares for the hopeless. He welcomes the discarded. He attends to the ignored. He helps the helpless. And he gives hope to the hopeless. I like the way one writer put it. Jesus' entire life on earth shows that he is God and that God cares. So if you want to remember this passage, remember the words, God cares. That's what we see here. In verse 40, we see the request. In verses 41 and 42, we see the response of Jesus. And in verses 43 to 45, we see the result. In verse 40, a man with leprosy came to Jesus and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Uh, remember, in this particular section of the book of Mark, Mark is presenting the credentials of Jesus Christ. 
as we've seen over the last several weeks, he presents the credential of his fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy, the ministry of John the Baptist, the approval of the Father and the Son at Jesus' baptism, the victory over Satan in this temptation, and then Jesus' authority in the Word of God, Jesus' authority over the rabbis, Jesus' authority over sickness, Jesus' authority over demons, and now in today's passage, his credential that Mark is presenting to us is Jesus' authority over leprosy. Jesus' authority over leprosy. Laws concerning leprosy are found, again, for your own study in Leviticus chapter 13 and 14. Leviticus chapter 13 and 14 has the uh, passages that concern leprosy in the Old Testament. Uh, leprosy uh, chapter 13 names seven forms of the disease. Seven forms of the disease. When we think of leprosy and we're studying the Old Testament or reading the Old Testament, and the New Testament, we think of leprosy as one thing. Uh, generally, we're thinking of Hansen's disease. But the passage in Luke 13 names seven forms of the disease. Included uh, the, the uh, name leprosy included a wide variety of skin diseases from psoriasis to ringworm to true leprosy, which is a progressively disfiguring disease. There is a description uh, of leprosy that helps us to kind of understand the plight of the leper in that day. Uh, the, there's a great uh, study guide called The Words and Works of Jesus Christ by J. Dwight Pentecost. Uh, what it does is it has all the parallel sections, like for instance, uh, it would include the parallels that I just shared with you along with this Mark passage. And he has some uh, great resources that he shares in the words and works of Jesus Christ by J. Dwight Pentecost. He gives us this description uh, of leprosy. He says, Geike, who is the author he's quoting, describes the plight of the leper, a disease at all times terrible, but aggravated in the opinion of the day by the belief that it was a direct stroke of God as a punishment for special sins. It began with the little specks on the eyelids and on the palms of the hands and gradually spread over different parts of the body, bleaching the hair white wherever it showed itself, crusting the affected part with shining scales, and causing swellings and sores. From the skin, it slowly ate its way through the tissues to the bones and joints and even to the marrow, rotting the whole body piecemeal. The lungs, the organs of speech and hearing, and the eyes were attacked in turn till at last consumption or dropsy brought welcome death. There were different varieties of leprosy, but all were as dreaded as the saddest calamity of life. Uh, that is a description of what the leper endured and the, the uh, disease of leprosy. The rabbis regarded leprosy as humanly incurable. Humanly incurable. In fact, there are only two Old Testament incidences of leprosy being cu uh, cured. Can anybody think of one of those? Naaman. 
Naaman is one. What is the other one? Miriam. Naaman and Miriam are the two examples from the Old Testament, the only two times that leprosy is cured. Uh, one writer said that leprosy brought anguish at all levels, physical, mental, social, and religious. Uh, leprosy was repulsive and resulted in physical and social isolation. The Jews abhorred leprosy. It was interpreted as being cursed by God. Healings were considered as difficult as raising the dead. Now, the way leprosy was handled, and you can, you can see this in your own study of Leviticus 13 and 14, but the, uh, the way it was handled is a person would notice symptoms and then they would go to the priest for inspection. The priest's diagnosis would be, were they clean or unclean? If they were unclean, they were isolated uh, uh, at first. If the initial inspection is inconclusive, they were quarantined for seven days, followed by a reinspection and possibly a second quarantine. As one writer said, the priest did not function as a physician. The patient basically was left to natural or supernatural healing processes to cure his condition. Leviticus 13, verses 44 to 46, describes the condition of isolation and mourning. Separation was not just to prevent physical contagion, but to symbolize a person's separation from the holy camp of Israel, where the Lord was dwelling. In other words, the leper had to be separated from Israel. They had to be separated from everybody. They had to be separated from their families. They had to be separated from their friends. And uh, it, it, it was not just uh, a condition describes, not just a condition of isolation and mourning, but, and it wasn't just to prevent contagion, but to symbolize that a person could no longer worship God. A person was separated from the people of Israel. And uh, that, was the, that was the real tragedy of this disease, that it would separate someone from their friends, separate them from their families, and separate them from the people of God so that they could not even worship. They could not even worship. Well, if a person was declared clean, then they had a two-stage cleansing that was necessary if they were declared clean. They had to do, uh, first of all, begin outside the camp of Israel uh, with what is called the two-bird ritual. Uh, again, you can read this in Leviticus 14, verses 3 to 7, where one bird is slain over running water. The live bird is dipped into the blood along with cedar wood. Aren't you glad you're not just going to lunch after this? Uh, the uh, living bird, the live bird, was dipped in blood along with cedar wood, uh, hyssop, and scarlet yarn, yarn, which were symbols of purification. The, the uh, sprinkle, they would sprinkle the cleansed person seven times and pronounce him clean and then release the live bird. But that wasn't the end. In other words, the life of the leper was difficult, but if they were uh, found to be 
clean, then they had to go through this process. Well, the process began outside the camp, and that was only one half of it. The other half was inside the camp. Uh, the person had to wash their clothes, shave all their hair, every bit of hair on their body. Uh, they had to bathe. Then they could return to the camp where they spent seven days outside their tent. Can you imagine you've been declared clear, and yet you still have to spend seven days outside your tent? On the seventh day, he had to again shave all his hair. Uh, on the seventh day, including his head, beard, eyebrows, uh, must wash his clothes and bathe himself. On the eighth day, and he's still not done, because on the eighth day, he had to offer a guilt offering, which was a male lamb, a sin offering, which was a ewe lamb, a burnt offering, which was another lamb, and a grain offering. That was the process. That was the life of the leper, but we'll see more of that in just a moment. On the eighth day, this is the conclusion of the cleansing ceremony. On the eighth day, after he offered those things, if he was poor, he could substitute doves or pigeons if he could not afford lambs. If he could not afford lambs. That was kind of gives you a sense of the, the plight. Leprosy brought physical ravages, Leprosy brought ritual uncleanness. Leprosy brought exclusion and isolation from society. It was an illustration of the uncleanness and separation that sin produces. It was an illustration to the Israelites of the uncleanness and separation that sin produces. It shows how repulsive sin is to God. It was an illustration to the people of Israel of how repulsive sin is to God. Well, uh, back to the J. Dwight Pentecost book, is we see a description of the life of the leper. We've seen a little bit of that, but the nasty part of their life uh, there's a man named Edersheim, which was a great historian, who was a great historian, and he wrote a book called The Life and Times of Jesus the Messiah. Again, if you're studying the life of Christ, Pentecost's book would be valuable to you, as well as Edersheim's book, Life and Times of Jesus Christ. He, he described the treatment of a leper in this way. In the elaborate code of defilements, leprosy was not only one of the fathers of uncleanness, but next to defilement from the dead stood foremost amongst them, not merely actual contact, contact with the leper, but even his entrance defiled a habitation. That is, even if a leper walked into a home, it defiled the entire home. It defiled the entire home and everything in it to the beams of the roof. But beyond this, rabbinic harshness or fear carried its provisions to the utmost sequences of an unbending logic. The treatment a leper received, one might have expected that divine compassion would have been extended to those who bore such a heavy burden of their sins. Instead of compassion, their burdens were needlessly increased. That's the tragedy of this. Instead of offering compassion to them, 
the rabbis, the, the officials of Israel, the people of Israel, would increase the pain of the leper, would increase the isolation of the leper, would increase the treatment, the, the wrongful treatment of the leper. True, as wrapped in mourner's garb, the leper passed by, his cry unclean was to incite others to pray for him, but also to avoid him. No, no one was even to salute him. His bed was to be low, inclining toward the ground. If he even put his head into a place, it became unclean. No less a distance than six feet must be kept from a leper, or if the wind came from that direction, a hundred feet were scarcely sufficient. Think about that. Never being able to get closer than that to another human being. Then, Edersheim quotes a rabbi, Rabbi Mir would not eat an egg purchased in the street where there was a leper. Another rabbi boasted that he always threw stones at them to keep them far off. While others hid themselves or ran away, to such extent did rabbinism carry its inhuman logic in considering the leper as a mourner that it even forbade him to wash his face. As I, I read that description of the life of a leper, it really struck me that it went so far that a rabbi could justify throwing stones at another human being. And as I was condemning the rabbi in my thinking, the thought occurred to me, who is it that I would throw stones at? Who is it that I would throw stones at? to keep them far from me or keep myself from them. And so this passage took on a whole new meaning for me as I thought about it in those terms. The life of a leper was difficult to say the least. They had to live outside of walled towns. They had to wear torn clothing. They had to let their hair be unkempt. They had to cover the lower part of their face and they had to cry out, unclean, unclean, when others came nearby. That's the setting. That's the setting of our passage. The man with leprosy came to Jesus. He approached Jesus. What he was doing violated the law. He had no right to speak to Jesus according to the law. Luke 5 and verse 12, the parallel passage said he was covered with leprosy. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 2 says that the leper knelt before him. He did not doubt and he did not act respectfully toward Jesus. He would not have dared approach a rabbi but he, he would have fled from a rabbi. But he approached Jesus. And again, I thought to myself, how approachable are we as Christians? How approachable are we to the helpless and the hurting and the rejected? How approachable are we? What did he see in Jesus that caused him to know it would be okay? It would be okay. What made him think that Jesus would not act in the same way as the rabbis would act? 
He had no doubt heard of Jesus' teaching, of Jesus' healing, of Jesus' absolute power and authority, but mostly of Jesus' compassion. He was helpless. and hopeless, and rejected from a life of despair and disappointment, and he cried out to the one who loves the unlovely. I wonder how approachable we are. Do we drive people away? Do they do they feel when they're talking to us or when we're so-called witnessing to them that they've fallen into the hands of a moralist who's seeking to reform them or someone who is to share with them the truth that Jesus Christ can set your life right. Jesus Christ can set your life right. He went to the one who loved the unlovely, and he said, make me clean. Verse 41 and 42, filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. Can you, can you see it? We're already told in the Luke passage that he was covered with leprosy. And he comes to Jesus for compassion. And Jesus reaches his hand out and touches him. A touch that he hasn't felt for a long time. I want you to think about how hard would it be to go without another human being touching you? or to go without being able to touch another human being. How hard would that be? How hard would that be not to be able? To be hugged by your loved ones, or to hug them. J. Vernon McGee really brought it home when he said this, this man hadn't been touched in many years, nor had he been able to touch anyone. I imagine his family brought out the food and drink for him, left it, and after they had retired, he would come up and get it. He probably could wave to them, but he could never come to them again, never hold, them, hold him hold them in his arms, never touch them. What a magnificent Savior. Who loves the helpless and the hopeless and rejected and ignored. Larry Richards says each of us will be naturally drawn to some 
and feel less immediate affection for others, but we Christians are called to live as Jesus, excuse me, to love as Jesus loved. We are to reach out to the unlovely as well as to the attractive. We are to abandon favoritism in favor of a warm, loving concern for all. The story is told of a hospital visitor who saw a nurse tending to the sores of a leprosy patient and said, I'd never do that for a million dollars. And the nurse answered, neither would I. But I'd do it for Jesus for nothing. Filled with compassion, verse 41 tells us, Jesus reached out and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him. From everywhere. Jesus wanted his character and his mission to be clear before he declared his messiahship. The cleansing of the leper was undeniably a messianic sign. But Jesus wanted his character to be known and his mission clear. There was a wrong view about that day of what Messiah would be like. That Messiah would be a political leader. Not one who would die for their sins and come in weakness and humility. Jesus did not want to just be known as a healer. He wanted his mission to be understood. Well, leprosy is a picture of sin, one writer said. Like sin, leprosy is deeper than the skin. It spreads, it defiles, it, it isolates, and it renders things fit only for the time. Anyone who has never trusted the Savior, and please hear this, everyone who has never trusted the Savior is spiritually in worse shape than this man was physically. So let me close with this. Whatever your need today, if you feel helpless or hopeless, if you feel rejected, if you feel ignored, put your life into the hands of Jesus Christ. If you're not yet a believer in Jesus Christ, John tells us to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. All you have to do in the quietness of your heart is say, God, I trust your son Jesus for eternal life. 
Thank you that he died for my sins. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, remember your Savior is the one who helps the ignored, the rejected, the helpless, the hopeless. And bring your helplessness to him. To the one who said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9, the one who was spoken of by Paul in chapter 12 and verse 9 of 2 Corinthians, his grace is sufficient for you because his power is made perfect in weakness. Let's pray. Lord, what a powerful Savior we have. What a powerful message of compassion. Help us to be approachable as our Savior was. Help us to reach out to the helpless and hopeless and rejected and ignored with the same love and compassion as our Savior. I pray in Jesus' name.